go. What's up, everybody? This is Troy Pryor, founder of Creative Cypher and host of the Cypher Live podcast, where we interview creative thought leaders and entrepreneurs. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Michael Christian in the building. Yes, he is Native American multi-CEO and serial entrepreneur. He's a resident of Austin, Texas. Uh, Michael has spent extensive time in New York City working on Wall Street prior to launching his businesses and his consulting firm, the Smelter Global Group or Smelter Global, right? Smelter Global. All right. Appreciate you jumping on board with us, dropping some gems with us today. Thank you, Troy. I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to, to get into a good conversation with you and share some of the things that have been helping me through my journey and learning a little bit more about the Creative Cypher and what you guys have going on. Awesome, man. Well, you know, those that are listening can't really see it, but I'm looking at this really dope piece of art in the background here. Are you an art guy? You're really, you pre, you're a, a I enjoy aesthetics, arts? man. You gotta, you have to keep the, uh, the energy, the creative vibes going in your space. So this is a conference room in my building, and every once in a while when I'm needing a little bit of organic or natural sunlight, I'll come down here and work. So I figured it was a good setting to hop in the podcast today with you. Man, you know what? I love that because it speaks to the importance of being conscious of your surroundings, conscious of your environment, and how it affects uh, our work. It affects how we treat one another. Uh, what have you seen in your journey as an entrepreneur um, uh, as it relates to um, managing your surroundings? Yeah, great question. I think there's so many different answers to that. And I don't believe that uh, there's, there's one specific correct one. What I would say is that we often look at, you know, people who are in fintech or finance or in more of a traditional kind of sense of business. And we are familiar with the phrases like you're going to be the average of the top five people you spend time with. Right. But you also hear the phrases you are what you eat. Right. And so ultimately what we interact with and what we partake in has a lot to do with the output that we generate. And I don't think creativity is any different. Personally, if you have a kind of nutritional value or a nutritional stack, if you will, of what your intake is, that's going to that's gonna be emphasized in what you produce, whether that's communication, whether that's art, whether that's business. And you're going to feel potentially more balanced or imbalanced as you go through that process. If you're the only person generating creativity or setting up that space and you don't have other people building that around you or providing that for you, you're going to get into an echo chamber of self of self thought. And for creatives, myself specifically, that's that's pretty dangerous territory because you can become very critical. You know, we're all our own worst judge. And so it's important to respect and recognize uh, other people's work, other people's art, other people's situation. And it forces us to kind of stay on our toes, not get too comfortable, but it also allows us to not have to do all the work on having that energy at, at you know, an alpha sine wave the entire time. And that's a great point because oftentimes creators, we can be so married to our ideas and the things that we've created that we do shut out criticism or feedback that could potentially help us to grow. But you bring up an amazing concept of the incentive in doing that because burnout mm -hmm. is real and we all have Absolutely. blind spots. We cannot do it all by ourselves. So we have to be open to other people's ideas and thoughts and perspectives. Uh, it not only helps the quality of whatever it is we're working on, 
but to your point, it it it, it spreads the work. You know, you you're not carrying and wearing multiple hats, and as especially creative entrepreneurs, we wear so many hats at mm-hmm. times just because we want this thing to survive. And when you're starting out, sometimes you have to do it all. But as you grow, you realize the power in delegation and having think tanks and boards and uh, different perspectives in the room. So it's a very valuable point and lesson. Did, did, did anything ever happen in your journey where that light bulb went off? Was that something you came into the business scene or was there an experience that caused you to say, you know, Hey, wait a minute, I need some help. I mean, I, I need help all the time. I, I definitely can clearly see that uh, the second that I wake up. I think the catalyst for learning this particular lesson for me was just being hungry, wanting to grow, wanting to make more money, get into higher levels of position, having a little bit more influence. And when I was originally working as a blue collar worker in the Midwest, either on a mill uh, site or planting trees up in Minnesota, I did security work in Africa. I was just doing every single job I could to gain as much experience as I could because I recognized that I can't grow without including something different than what I already have, right? That's the whole process of what growth is. And that's what we end up doing a lot for our clients is providing them that identity because identity politics, believe it or not, is, is at play way more than, than governmental or economic politics, it is the absolute foundational bread and butter for how we all see ourselves, how we see each other. And, you know, being indigenous, that's a sphere that I pay attention to clearly on a daily basis. And I operate through a layer or a, or a shade of that lens, if you will. So what I've recognized in my own life is if my brand is me, if my product is me, if everything that I produce is just my baby, I'm going to be so protective over it. I'm not going to trust anybody to pick it up and do anything with it. And ultimately, as a leader in my industry or a leader in my business, my job is not to be the smartest person. My job is to bring all the smart people into a room and get them a cup of coffee, get them notepads, get them internet connectivity, ask them what they need and support them doing that and then protect them and, and pave the way for them to be able to do that in a safe and secure environment. And ultimately, what, what most entrepreneurs, specifically to your point, creative entrepreneurs have a, uh, a little bit of a struggle implementing is removing themselves from the brand's identity. And we want to create, we want to put our signature, if you will, on what we produce because it is our inspiration, our perspective, the paradigm with which we use the palettes of skills and talents to create something that other people value. And that's a beautiful process. At the same time, though, if we're building a brand, if we're building a company and it's the person who started it, that company and that brand is going to have limitations like that creator. It's going to have insecurities like that creator. It's going to have sensitivities like that creator. And it's not going to be able to pivot in a marketplace that is absolutely relentless. So ultimately, it's like that saying, if you really love something, let it go. If you really want to protect your brand, if you want your brand to really grow, if you want uh, you know, in your words, that to spread and you want that kind of good news of what you're creating or you want the, the maybe even just effects of what you're, you're working on socially to actually uh, saturate the market or, or get out there, you have to be willing to remove 
your fingerprint from it to a certain degree uh, and let it fly. And I, I think that is where a lot of creative entrepreneurs maybe haven't had the opportunity to sit down and speak to somebody or have the time even because they're wearing so many hats and there's so much pressure and they have to produce in order to pay the bills. They haven't had the time to allow that brand to become its own thing and speak for itself. Very scary notion to let go. Change is very scary as well. You know, the idea of being married to this product, this pro this project, or it being your brainchild or pet project. That's, that's a scary notion. I see it all the time with creatives that may have a, an amazing script uh, or amazing concept, uh, but ultimately need that team or other resources to bring it to life. And uh, it's a sad commentary because I've seen far too often projects sit on the shelf because um, because that creator couldn't open up. Mm -hmm. And so it just sits and it doesn't go anywhere. And then you look up five, 10 years later and that, that idea where you could have partnered or collaborated and turned it into something where others have some equity and it just sat there. And I had a um, really talented guy on my show a little while ago, Izzy Lugo, he said, you know, creative ideas have a shelf life. And if you don't act when that window is open, it's not like you, you can have another opportunity sometimes to come back years later now that I'm ready. Well, no, I think you know, if you collaborated earlier on and you were open to new ideas or bringing other people, then it could have at least had some, some life there. But you brought up um, some really great points in there. You talked about brand identity. How does one or a company actually create or, or form their brand identity? What are the first steps to even begin that process? I think I think the first steps to beginning a brand identity is to first recognize that you're a human being, right? And that you have a good idea. And to just look at the nuts and bolts of what that looks like. You have insecurities, you saw a need in the marketplace, you got creative, you put some resources together, and you provided a solution. But ultimately, you only have so many hours in a week. You only have so much experience under your belt. You only have so many connections. And the humility and the willingness to acknowledge your limitations is so pivotal to being able to acknowledge what else is out there, right? Because it's a, it's a 100% scope. So if I comprise 20% of what this thing could be, then there's 80% out there that has to come from somebody else. And I have to be willing, if I want that 80%, I have to be willing to acknowledge that I'm the 20%. And I have to put a number to my specific ability. So recognizing our limitations, if you will, in that scenario is pivotal to being able to accept help or to accept collaboration, to accept that check for equity, you know, and that's that humility really is, is I think what leadership is. So when we're trying to start something, I think it's super important to be able to kind of position ourselves and place ourselves before trying to set it free, if you will. When you're doing that, I think it's really important to acknowledge the reason that that business or that idea exists, that project. Why specifically is it doing what it's doing? It's not necessarily a what, because sometimes the what can change. Sometimes the what is, you know, just dependent on the season. And sometimes the what actually isn't impactful, right? It just makes you money. It's convenient. Maybe people enjoy it. It's convenience for them, or it makes, uh, you know, some time pass by because it's of entertainment value or what, what have you. Our attention span, the current marketplace is, is no longer asking, 
is there a need for this in the market? Is there a place for this in the market is now the question. Because there's a lot of things out there that people pay for or enjoy or look at or watch or listen to that doesn't fill a specific need. They just like it. And I think one of the steps that we've taken in society that's a beautiful and progressive one is that you don't have to need something to appreciate it. You don't have to need something to justify buying it. And that can be dangerous though, right? But it, it's still a really beautiful thing if, if used properly. So why are they in, in, you know, interacting with your art? Why are they interacting with your brand? And if your brand is able to harness a motive, right? I, I think that that's kind of grabbing the trajectory of where you want to go and putting a name on it. So the practical way that we do that in application is we take the CEO or the founder of a project and we sit her down and we ask her the questions of, you know, what's your background? Do you like cake or pie? Uh, you know, what's your eye color? Where'd you go to school? Uh, how was your relationship with your parents like? And we do this very kind of invasive program that we interview for like six hours. It's two, three hour chunks, these founders, and sometimes even executive or C-suite levels of their team. And we find out, or co-founders, excuse me, and we find out exactly where they stop and where the idea begins. And then we extract that idea, almost like a game of operation. We go in and we remove that idea from their DNA because it's their baby. They're wrapped up in it. It's part of them. It's an extension of their being. So they're very sensitive and it's a really emotionally uh, and cerebrally uh, delicate process that we have to go through because you're, you're addressing somebody's insecurities. You're addressing their why because some of the times, and if not most of the times, the company why, the project why is just an extension of theirs. And so there's a lot of responsibility for someone to go in and do that, to be careful and to be respectful and to be kind and to listen and not try to twist that into something that makes me the most money, not try to generate some type of advancement for a career or to sway it in any particular direction, because this is, this is their project. This is their child, if you will. And there's a lot of um, reverence that needs to go into that process. So somebody understands that process is really important to do it. Um, but then we kind of start building that brand from the ground up. We give it a bio, we give it a name, a place where it was born, where it went to school, whether it was bullied in high school, what classes it took, where it specialized in college, where it traveled abroad. And we take this, this kind of bio person that we engineer and we give them a life arc. And the life arc is slowly the application of that project or idea going into the market. So as this person kind of comes to their stride and they step into their own power and they step into their full identity, whatever that may be, that's the company bringing their product to market and, and really taking names and being a prevalent marker in an industry. And that is full of uh, digital assets. It's full of research. It's full of substantive uh, documentation. It's full of photos and color palettes and fonts and regu regulations and rules for where certain titles or headings should be posted. And it's ultimately a branding deck for those, for those founders and those CEOs. And so practically the way that we kind of answer that question is through that interview process. And we generate a branding deck for that. And then that way they can, take it. And if they, if they never want to work with us again, we're, we're, you know, we're not happy about that, but you know, it's their decision, but they can take that and they can walk to the next consultant or the next web developer or the next social media manager, and they can hand that branding deck to them. And everything that that person does for them will now be consistent with their ideal. 
And if they're not going to get 10 employees over the next two years and have 10 different iterations or 10 different versions and 10 different visions, it's all going to be very, very cohesive. And the tighter the brand, the more accurately you can have user acquisition, the more precise you can gain clients or market yourself, your advertising dollars are better spent. There's a million ways as to why having that brand identity is, is really beneficial. And it's a, a pivotal step to give you the balance needed to step into, again, a very tumultuous marketplace. So it is highly valuable and important to, to take the time to do that due diligence. You know, an eight-hour uh, interview, six to eight-hour interview, it sounds scary, but it pays off immensely if you put in the work in the mm -hmm. beginning. You lay a foundation uh, because we all know that if something's built on sand or it's not built on a firm surface, no matter how high that thing gets built, at some point it can be right. knocked over. So I appreciate the intention that you all uh, provide your clients, uh, the authenticity uh, or to the, the intent to ensure that they are authentic and their brands remain that is extremely valuable because we've all seen, you know, the horror stories, something wasn't branded properly, or mm -hmm. sometimes you see something come out in media and you wonder who approved that, who was in the room. You know, you're like, somebody had to say yes. <laughs> every day. I question that every yeah. single day. And, and a lot of brands are, are slightly suffocated by their founder, you know, and, and subconsciously, we all don't have the training or the natural tendency to have the perfect ratio of emphasizing control and direction and also letting go and delegating. We, nobody's born with that. That's a skill that you have to build over years and years of experience. So a lot of our clients are like, well, I mean, they're just, we don't understand this process. What does this have to do with it? And then they'll read testimonials or get referrals from other clients. And, uh, you know, reading those is very helpful for them. And typically we do things in phases. So we'll have already done maybe a logo design for them or some branding work already. And they get a feel for how we go through that process. And there's a little bit of trust there in it. Um, but it's really helpful for them because like you mentioned, you can build something really, really well. It could be an amazing product. You could be an amazing person. You can have a really great ratio of control and delegation. But if you now have people adding their own components to your vision, that vision is going to change. That's just the nature of, of how business works. If you grow, now you have multiple iterations of what you're growing, right? And so it's not entirely the question of, do you understand what you're doing? It's also, let's reduce the amount of corrections we have to make later because we want to kind of prepay or pre-invest in having all of our brand identity, you know, as pre-established so that there's no interpretation later and we don't have to go back and be behind on deadlines. You don't have to pay our hourly employees for mistakes and have them feel like they did a poor job because we're correcting something that it's our responsibility to give them a, a clear roadmap to begin with. It's not their fault. We didn't communicate efficiently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I was just having that conversation with an entity about risk management and, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you either pay for it now or you pay for it later. Or I've also heard it say um, or phrase in this way, uh, if you don't do it right, you get called out for doing it wrong. And it's a valuable lesson. You know, you can't skip or 
you know, skip the process. That's the that's a part of the process to ensure to your point that down the road you don't have an even bigger problem that you may not be able to survive. And for creatives and in, in media, that's so important um, to know that whatever it is that you're creating is now in the world. It's in the marketplace. You put it out on social, it's there. It's there forever. Do your due diligence to make sure that um, it's the appropriate time, that it makes sense, and it's consistent with your why, and it's serving the greater good of society. Um, you know, you you talked about new ideas. Like, it's so important to be agile and nimble in the marketplace. Have you seen um, any situations or been a part of any projects where you may have seen an entity that needed to be nimble and they weren't, and were they able to survive? Absolutely. I think that that happens on a, a very frequent basis. I mean, we've gotten retained by clients before and have had to actually exit retention with them because of the unwillingness we have to work on projects that are so tethered to a uh, an idea that that's just not going to translate. You know, I am not able to provide a success story to some people. And if I'm not able to make you successful, I'm not going to charge you a fee and stay on retainer with you when I know that it's not going to actually amount to anything and, and and not amount to anything in the context that it's not important. It's not good. It's not wholesome that you're doing something with your idea, but you're retaining me to get you results. And I can't get you results if I have no input in what happens, right? I have to have a certain modicum of control and accountability. That's where accountability comes from is what I'm in control over is, and what I have the ability to respond to, right? That's what responsibility is. I am now able to bill. And if that's a self-defeating project, I don't have time to work on that because there's so much mediocrity out in the marketplace already yeah. that I'm going to build and invest on something and it's going to, it's going to come up against an immovable force and it's going to fall flat. I mean, realistically, there are so many sharks out there that when these people are starting brands, they, they don't really understand the risks that come, right? And I, and I love, I absolutely love the message that your episodes bring to the table. Uh, and, and the best way that I can articulate that is, is being unapologetic, right? And there's a difference between being brash and being unapologetic. I can come in and be confident and firm and still kind and still respectful. And I can still listen before I speak, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to have my, my end result be a, an influenceable product by somebody else who has no skin in the game. I want to have a brand and I want to have a product and I want to have a team that when they come into contact with uh, an agency that's larger, a, uh, a market niche, right, that's, that's undefined, they have to have the ability to navigate that with integrity. And if they can't self-identify, they can't self-regulate. So when, when we talk about people who have, um, you know, kind of a, a low level of experience, if you will, or even just a low level of training, then they end up having the ability when they partner with somebody to 
really not have to ask for permission later because they have the rule book and they have the rule book in front of them. And when they have a plan and they have a strategy, they have the ability to stick to it. Even when they get a little skewed, perhaps maybe even if they get a little uh, scared, even, and it's okay. That's totally fine. The, the, the market's a scary place. The world is a scary place. It's full of dangers and it's full of risks, like you mentioned. And to manage and mitigate those, you have to, you have to prepare for it. You have to plan. I mean, it's the, the eight old adage, if you, uh, what is it? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So us giving folks that rule book, that playbook, if you will, allows them to not have to ask for permission later when they want to. Um, so Troy, you mentioned that there's a little bit of a tendency we have to not want to let go. And I feel that there's a beauty in that. Again, it's such a respectable dynamic, taking responsibility and really desiring to impact uh, the world and impact the market and to generate a tool or a product or a painting even or a, or a song or a website or a deck or a photo that somehow provides a value to somebody. But also maybe instead of providing value to everybody, might just have several people ask the question uh, to themselves of why am I not doing that? Uh, what does this mean for me? How can I apply this to my life? Do I like that? Maybe am I open to what the artist or the creator is trying to convey? And if we really want to get to that moment, which is ultimately sometimes why we paint to begin with, whether it's with words, with graphics, with uh, web tools, whether it's with code itself, whether it's with actual paint, music, uh, even people, right? Creating a, creating a business is a huge social painting. It's a big picture of uh, of, of many different pixels, all complicated and uh, experienced and inexperienced. So when we, when we ask the question of, you know, why are people so hesitant to let go? I feel that there's a percentage of society that sees work as almost like a necessary evil. And sure, nobody likes getting up in the morning and going and enslaving away for somebody else and you know building that person's vision but i think a good company a good brand a good leader a good creator that's growing right that's able to facilitate salaries or hourly wages for some employees or other co-contributors i think that one of the responsibilities we have to engineer and be intentionally uh curating a world that we all want to live in work in is to generate a atmosphere of ethic and ethic is, is not, when we say ethic, we're not talking about work ethic. We're not talking about elbow grease, right? We're talking about ethic is the reason why you do or don't do anything. And not just the reason, but the ratio of discipline expelled within that reason if you have an ethic, there's a certain level of integrity and, and framework that you're operating off of. So when we talk about ethic, um, hopefully there was a couple things in there that you could use. So our website is smelter.global. We're a full service consulting agency for businesses. We can do everything from launching your brand to building your web application, your mobile application. We can get you patents. We can get you trademarks. We can get you uh, 
uh, well-written custom contracts, manage your social media, product photography, anything really that is a business service that you might need, we're able to provide it to you on an enterprise or even small to medium-sized business level. Uh, Yo, we want to thank Michael for rocking with us today and dropping some gems, helping us out as creative entrepreneurs. Stay tuned in to the Creative Cypher podcast, Cypher Live. Peace.